Hello, and welcome to uh, Cinema Wheelerte. Uh, it's our uh, ongoing discussion on the world of films and what we do with films and what we don't do with films. <laughs> it's essentially, it's about films. Not us in particular. No, not us in particular. It's not our films. It's not our films. We're not making films ourselves, but films we are putting professionals them make. Exactly. Professional and films. we are commenting on what the professionals make. But we're not professionals. No, no. we are not. So, uh, with that note of professionalism, we'll move on to today's topic, which is uh, film scores. Um, I think film scores are a real vital part of the enjoyment of a film. Absolutely. Like, you know, it, it, music enhances a film so much. Creates um, the mood, the tone, the motion. Absolutely. It, it kind of sets the tone, like you said, yeah. of, of a film and how we're supposed to be feeling in the moment. Mm-hmm. And I think a soundtrack... Or how we're going to get ready to feel. If something scary is going to happen, or... Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Exactly. Like, uh, you know, the cue from Psycho, as an example. Boom, like, boom, 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 boom. Not to use the most obvious example, <laughs> but that is an example That's of... That's a good example, though. It is a good example yeah. of what film scores do. It's very car good. car racing, and you yeah. know something scary is either happening or about to happen, or... Exactly. As soon as Janet Lee opens that curtain, and mm-hmm. he's here... Oh, for me, it's Anne Hayes. <laughs> oh, God. Please tell me you are not yes. serious. No. Yeah, I'm just joking. Wait a minute. It's a foul. Okay. Anne Hage, pre or post Ellen? Yeah. I think that's. That's during Prime <laughs> Ellen right there. That's Prime Ellen time. Yeah, that is. Oh, man. Uh, and, it, and it didn't work nearly as effectively Wait in that a scene. Wasn't Vince Vaughn in that movie? Vince yeah. Vaughn was. Whoa. He was. He uh, was Bates. Yeah, he was. Man, that was like a skinny Vince Vaughn. It was, yeah. That's a crazy movie. Yeah, that movie, not to get on a side tangent about that film, but that film was an experiment by Gus Van Zandt to see what he could do with a shot-by-shot remake of... You lost me. (laughs) (laughs) An experiment by Gus Van Zandt. Experiment was definitely the right way to say that. That's what that was. I don't like Gus Van Zandt doing experiments. (laughs) Nobody does, really, you know. Oh Great God. filmmaker for all you Gus Van Sant f- films <laughs> fans out there. but uh, Or Anne Heche fans. You not his best. Uh, uh, go right ahead. I was going to say, or all you Anne Heche. Is it Heche or Heshey? How do you say Heche? Heche. Anne Heche. All you Anne Heche fans, go see it too. I'm amazed you know how to pronounce Anne Heche's name directly. You know? I, don't be. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she was like the biggest thing because she was... Dating Ellen? I don't really know if I would classify her as the biggest thing ever. Well, she had the time. She had a lot of publicity because the whole Ellen. I don't know any other role other than that. Well, so that means she wasn't clearly not the biggest thing. I just knew she was. (laughs) She she had a her stint back then. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know know, she. I remember she made a movie with Harrison Ford. It was like. Oh yeah, I really. It was pretty bad, I think, too. It was like a romantic comedy, wasn't it? Yeah, it was like they were stranded on a desert island together and they were bantering back and forth and. What was that called? Six Days and Seven Nights, something oh, to that effect. So I, I think like. you're right. I yeah. Do, yeah. But, uh, she had a year. Mm-hmm. A good year. She had a good year, and then she started believing in aliens. And and, and, and she started liking men. Yes. Hey, Dan Aykroyd believes in aliens, too. <laughs> Wasn't that the demise of right. the relationship? She was. She became straight? I think she, yeah. I, well, I think, I don't know if she became straight. I think she's... Clearly, probably bisexual. Or maybe she was bisexual. Well, she decided to go straight. But this is. (laughs) Are you saying this is a a side tangent on Anne Ash? People want to know. They have a right to know. They do. This is important information that we we plan to give them. We could dedicate 
a podcast series on Anne Hesh we and, could. and her work. And I, I recommend a six-part series on Anne Hesh. Yes. We can break it up into different I, segments like the Ellen years. The Ken Burns uh, version of Anne Hesh's life. That's what we're going for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, we are here to discuss film scores. And as we were saying, film scores really do <laughs> add so much to a film. Um, so it would be kind of cool to talk about, like, yeah. what are film scores that stand out for us? Like, what are things that we would even listen independently from the film? On Which our... I do a lot. Yeah, I do too sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I, I've been known to listen to a full film score and, and redo the film <laughs> in my mind. <laughs> or, or, or... With Anne Hage. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I put Anne Hage in it. <laughs> it's directed by Gus Van Zandt. <laughs> Van Zandt? No, Gus Van Zandt. Who's that? Gus Van Zandt. Oh, is, the same, is that the, how you pronounce it? Gus Van Zandt? I think it's Gus Van Zandt. Now I'm, I'm confused myself. I'll have to go back and look that up. I think we've lost all our viewers or listeners. <laughs> we lost, lost all our viewers. Yeah, we've lost all our credibility. <laughs> they all went to YouTube to look up Anne Hage. Yeah, they're all. Yeah, we, If anything we've accomplished is we've revived interest in Anne Hage on the internet. <laughs> Do yourself today. a favor. Do an image search of Gus Van Zandt. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah, uh, we should. But don't we do should. an image search on Mickey Rourke. You will be really disappointed. No, no. We saw, unfortunately, today we were seeing pictures. Uh, Tony was first exposed today to a shot-by-shot comparison of Mickey Rourke during nine and a half <laughs> weeks period to Mickey Rourke of today. And it's Which, a if you've start... seen that film, I've never actually seen it. I've only seen the music video to Leave Your Hat On, which is enough. It makes me want to see the film. But he was hot. In that video. Mm-hmm. I mean, really good looking. He, he was a different looking guy at that point You can in time. say that yes. again, Sean. Yeah. I Googled him and I, it looks like his face fell off and he tried to reconstruct it. I think he did. Well, maybe it was Anne Hish's aliens that got involved with Mickey Rourke. <laughs> I don't know. Either way, man, tough breaks. You mentioned that you can leave your hat on and that's a great example, though, of how yeah. a song, which I think is a yeah. great song, it's a great Absolutely. cover... Uh, enhances that scene because that's a very famous scene from Nine and a Half Weeks, and I think it really is the scene that most people remember. I disagree. <laughs> Have you ever seen it, Scott? No, but okay. <laughs> I don't like soundtracks. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. <laughs> I like sound. I like scores. I'm a score guy. I don't like you know people when they just aggregate. That's songs. false. Because right. you like the Dirty Dancing soundtrack. No, I don't. Yeah, do you I? do. You totally do. <laughs> When did I ever... You dance to it, which means you like it. I dance to it because of that. Which means you know it. Which means you like it. Which means I'm right. No, I still stand by. I like scores. I don't like... I don't like soundtracks. I like... I like things... You know, I like songs from movies. That's the same thing as a soundtrack, honey. But I don't like a soundtrack when you buy it and that song was never even in the movie. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying, yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, it's some B-side from... Hey, you don't know. be hating on the B-sides, okay? Some of them B-sides are good. But these are the B-est of B-sides. These are B-sides of B-sides. The double B-sides. Yeah. <laughs> these double B-sides. <laughs> no, I you go in there. It's like, oh, I'm so excited. Tom Petty and Heartbreakers are on his album. <laughs> it's a terrible song. Speaking of which, I have just have to say, because this is kind of funny. Earlier, we were listening to Tom Petty. Mm-hmm. And I made the comment this morning to Scott, or was it yesterday morning? Either way, I said something like, you know, I like those. What did I say? I like those heartbreakers. I like Tom Petty's heartbreakers. <laughs> I like the heartbreakers. <laughs> it was just funny the way I said it. You said it. those heartbreakers. I like I think. those heartbreakers. <laughs> those heart, them heartbreakers are, are good musicians there. No, you like, you like, I like Tom's heartbreakers. That's what I said. 
I like Tom's Heartbreakers. They were good guys. It makes them sound like they're just Tom's Heartbreakers. Like a gang of people. Man, if that's how they were billed, it would have been a different. I think uh, Tom's Heartbreakers. Uh, I'm Tom, and this is Tom's Heartbreakers. <laughs> But really, just goes back to how great scores are when you talk about Heartbreakers. That's a great. You can, hey, the Heartbreakers are the score to Tom Petty's voice. Yes. That's what I say. They're the backdrops of Tom Petty. Tom Petty is the movie. Okay, speaking of Tom, getting back on track here. On, okay. On the, you know, soundtrack. <laughs> yes. Um. So Tom Petty, free falling. Mm-hmm. Great moment in Jerry Maguire. Mm-hmm. Remember that scene? That really classic scene where Tom Petty was. Excuse me. Not Tom Petty. Tom Petty was playing. His music was playing in um, Tom Cruise's car. And Tom Cruise was driving and singing the free fall. And remember that? That Petty is was, like, true. Banging yes. against the steering wheel. Sorry, but <laughs> when we were thinking about movies and Tom Petty, I remember he was in The Postman. So that kind of, yes. as the mayor of the city, that was... Are you familiar The actual with Tom Petty? The actual yeah. Tom Petty. That's I his only, it. I think, acting role. Is it's one of the apocalyptic uh, Kevin Costner films of the 90s. Postman, Waterworld. There's was, there was only probably two. But hey, wait a minute, though. T- Jerry Maguire is a great example of a movie that does have a quality soundtrack with songs on it, you know, as opposed to Scott's preference for movie, movie scores, which I like both. But Jerry Maguire did have a really great soundtrack. It had that Secret Garden song by Bruce Springsteen, which is a really great song. Now, Tom that, Petty. Was Secret Garden made for that I movie? I think it was. I think it was written for that movie. I remember it was actually released on like a greatest hits album prior to the movie, oh. and then it ended up in the movie. But I think it really didn't become a standard until people heard it in the film, mm-hmm. where people started. It's so synonymous. Yes, with that it's movie synonymous now. with that movie. Yeah. Well, here's a soundtrack uh, to Jerry Maguire. All these songs are, we can assume, are minute, are created for the movie. <laughs> the Magic Bus by the Who. <laughs> <laughs> yes, clearly it was written for hey, Terry. I'm, I'm just saying yeah. it was a good, a, it was a good uh, collaboration of music. Well, you're, you're you're nailing on the head, Tony. There yeah. are instances Treasury where you can do a collection of of, yeah. of of standards in songs and put them into a film and, and make it work. Like a lot mm-hmm. of people really like the Sleepless in Seattle soundtrack because mm-hmm. it has a lot of standards. Yeah, the one that really springs to mind for me. Of that type of soundtrack is Forrest Gump because Forrest Gump had all yes. these classic songs that were almost over in abundance, yes, it did. and they were utilized really well. I think Almost Famous, which is another Cameron Crowe movie, those mm-hmm. songs were really utilized well, really well. I but. think these Tiny were Tiny Dancer, the singing on yeah. the bus. Well, I think this, they were more important in the past because you would have all these great songs on one CD when you didn't have playlists, you didn't have, but uh, iTunes. You now, now we yeah. have all that stuff. What's the point of putting all these great songs? You can just do that yourself. But I think right. going back to one of the real, one of the very first things that Sean had mentioned uh, in today's episode was those, those songs helped not only capture the time in Forrest Gump because those songs were popular at that time, that period of time, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but it also helps you know you get into that mood and that mindset mm-hmm. of yeah. the Forrest Gump, the t- whatever time in his life. It was like the scenes where he was running and you know, the different songs that they were playing. They were very popular during that period in history. Mm-hmm. And it kind of evokes that sense of nostalgia and it gets you in that mindset, which again is what a great soundtrack or movie score, sh- that's what it should do. Uh, exactly. I think it, you know, I think it was really uh, like the, the songs in Forrest Gump were really, you know, collected very well and, and compiled very well and, and, and they really reflected each particular time period and obviously the song i think that really stands out for people in that movie is sweet home alabama because i think yeah. it just it's, it takes place in alabama and i think it just stands out as 
as an example. Well, yeah, was, you know, it has Alabama in the, in the song, <laughs> so it really captures. It's going, it's going to stand out because of that, you know. Well, and I, maybe it keeps me running while he's running. Maybe it's just because. Oh my god! Okay, you guys did. Thank goodness you didn't see what he just did. Yeah. Um, what, well, I really like the part with um, where Jenny is singing Bob Dylan. Mm-hmm. Uh, it ain't me, babe, isn't it? Is yeah. That, or, yeah, I think it's like uh, it's like an early Dylan song, like "Blowing in the Wind." Well, it ain't, is "Blowing in the Wind," okay. and I just thought it was really wonderful because it. Well, Jenny was obviously a hippie mm-hmm. in her time and the free spirit, um, and Bob Dylan at that period in his life and his career, he was kind of more so associated with free spirited hippies and rebels and whatnot. But I just thought it was a beautiful moment, not only for that song, but mm-hmm. just for the character of Jenny. It really helped you put you in that frame of mind, like where she was at in her life and what was going on around her and how that kind of behavior was standard, mm-hmm. how it was acceptable, and she was just a product of her generation. Yeah, I, I, exactly, and that's a great example of that. Like, uh, that song, and just because she was emblematic of the counterculture exactly. at the time, the people who were lost that didn't yes. know exactly where they fit in in society. Yeah. She comes in, and she plays that song, and then... And people if, like Wabooner, remember? Exactly. That's that's a great example of that, yeah. like a, of, of how a song can, can, can enhance a movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm right there with you. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you're really engaged. I like the score of Forrest Gump uh, by uh, Alan Silvestri, yes. who is a longtime collaborator with uh, the uh, director of that film. Yes, Robert Zemeckis. Robert yes, Zemeckis. yes. Uh, not only did he score Forrest Gump, but he also scored Who Framed Roger Rabbit, which and great. which is great, and also Back to the Future. So, and that's a, that's an example of a great score that people remember. Don't but, forget Back but, to the Future two and three, same score but different. <laughs> right. Okay, but but I'd also like to point out too, though. And now, don't get me wrong, I'm I'm big on movie scores. I do mm-hmm. love composition, mm-hmm. but. Um, Back to the Future is another fine example of, of the actual power of songs. Huey Lewis in the News, synonymous with that movie, The Power of Love, all these other famous songs the, at the time in the 80s that were in that film. Just oh, totally I, could, I couldn't agree with you more. Like When I think of movie songs, songs from movie soundtracks that are synonymous with the movie, like yeah. that are theme songs specifically written for it. Honestly, The Power of Love yeah. is one of the first songs that comes to mind. Number one, I'm going to, full confession, I love Huey Lewis and the News. Them News. <laughs> this is what he would call them. Huey's News. The News. But, uh, but <laughs> Huey's I, News. Because they were such everyman. And, you know, in the 80s, I think it's just like when they were on MTV, it was like, oh, yeah, they look like people that I would hang out with my parents in the backyard or something like that. <laughs> Which is probably not the hippest way to go into music. Well, I, but. I was driving to work on Friday. And it's just funny that we're talking about this now. Uh I was driving to work, and that song came on, he, you know, The Power of Love. And instantly, I just felt like Marty McFly or that I was in that time. I just saw those images in my mind, the opening credits to that movie. And, you know, it's just, it's that, it, you cannot hear that song and not think of that movie. No, and, and the great thing about that song, too, is that you can hear it on the radio. Yeah. And without even knowing the film, you can still enjoy it because <laughs> it, it's very much a Huey Lewis song, regardless of whether it's in the movie or not. Yeah. I think... The greatest uh, composer songwriter for motion pictures um, is uh, Kenny Loggins. Oh, I mean, if you look at 
Footloose, uh, I'm Alright for Caddyshack, is that the name of the song? Yep. Right. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, Danger Zone. With, uh, yeah, I mean, those are classic songs. In fact, today, I mean, yeah. I'm Alright was playing, I was walking by Baskin Robbins, and then Baskin Robbins' mascot was dancing to I'm Alright. But they lost. Oh Don't ask me why. And that's when you know that you've made it in this country when Baskin Robbins is playing your song. You know, when the mascot for Baskin Robbins is into it. I don't. Yeah, there's a Baskin Robbins mascot. What is the mascot for Baskin Robbins? It's a scoop of ice cream. What? Oh my god. What flavor is it? Please tell me it's chocolate. No, it's a, it's like a Neapolitan. Oh, okay, that works. Oh man, yeah. You know that song. I, I always love the opening of Caddyshack because when that song starts playing, I think it's another song that's kind of that yeah. blends into it but uh the gopher of course comes out and starts oh, dancing yeah. to it and everything but yeah that's a song that definitely when i hear that I immediately think of caddyshack uh, the time of my life mm-hmm. instantly everybody thinks of dirty dancing yeah you can't yeah. i mean that's i'm pretty sure it was written for that movie yeah it, it, you know i'll give you i think that movie probably is synonymous with a soundtrack that and the bodyguard absolutely because that's no neither of those movies are on any of my list of movies i've but they're really you know timeless soundtracks people today still listen to that i have both of those soundtracks actually i own both of yeah both of them on cd which means i've had them for a while (laughs) um another song that is so synonymous with not only a movie but an actress is of course moon river Mm -hmm. you hear it you instantly think of breakfast at tiffany's audrey hepburn it's just you can't that's a great song, and Henry Mancini, that, oh. we're talking about composers, yeah. he's, he's the guy who's also obviously a film composer. Uh, Pink Panther. Yes. Hey, I mean, that's one of the yeah. ultimate movie themes right there. Peter Gunn. Peter Gunn, Peter right. Gunn. He did, yes. Um, yeah, the Pink Panther, I mean, I think of those, that's, that's a great uh, example of how when you fit a music in with a specific image, how it immediately mm-hmm. makes an impact and you remember it. And you see that cartoon at the very beginning of the opening credits, and that obviously became a cartoon on its own. That's how successful those opening credits were. Mm-hmm. Pink Panther became its own cartoon after that movie. Mm-hmm. So, and and also tying into you know what we were talking about earlier was the mood and feel. When you hear Moon River, you just feel for Holly Golightly. You know, you feel that kind of confusion and that hopefulness and everything that she's feeling. She's very lost, you know, and. Um, Hey, I feel that about about the Pink Panther as well during. (laughs) But uh, But it kind of evokes those nostalgic feelings and those feelings of, you know, there's so much world to see and that longing to want to have your place in the world and see the world and uh, kind of feel like you fit in. Yeah, that that's right. I mean, it's it's one of those examples. Moon River is a great example of what you're talking about because the lyrics are very much invoking uh, the undercurrents that are going on with Holly and Mm -hmm. and that movie and. um, you know, I think Mrs. Robinson for The Graduate yes. kind of serves a similar... Yeah, yeah. another good movie. Well, not many my people nickel. have Simon and Garfunkel, you know, write the soundtrack to your movie. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. But that's another, you know, how Simon and Garfunkel, their songs were essentially the score. I mean, that's the sound of that movie. And also the sound of that time. And I think that's an example for me, like, of a pop soundtrack. Uh, when we're talking about pop soundtracks, I think that's the ultimate one for me as a graduate. That's my favorite, because I think the use of Simon and Garfunkel's music in that film with the sound of silence in the opening credits when he's going through the airport, and uh, Mrs. Robinson, and I think there's a great song. It's kind of a lesser-known SMG song called April Come Shoot. Will. I love that one. That's and a the great... And Rosemary Saves Your Time. Yes. Isn't that in there, too? Yeah, that's in there a few times yeah. as well, and that's... 
I mean, it just really sets the complete it mood does. and tone for that movie. That even though it's a satirical comedy, there's also these deeper, kind of Almost moodier darker. undercurrents. Yeah. yeah, and I think that really captures that for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what are, uh, as far as scores are concerned, like, what are some of the film scores that stand out for you guys that are your favorites? Like, you know, like the actual, like an original motion picture score and a composer. Like, are there any... Well, of course, Hanny Rancini, who we've already discussed. Um, Bernard Herrmann, who did all the music for Hitchcock. I, I mean, especially for that time. He just, in my opinion, was a brilliant composer who really had a knack and natural ability to create, determine, and understand, and then relay that, that human emotion within his music. And I mean, if you've ever seen a Hitchcock film and the music playing is Bernard Herrmann, and just, you know, like we mentioned, The Psycho, and even in, uh, I actually personally really like the Vertigo soundtrack. Mm-hmm. I love this uh, Scene de Amour song, which just really is a little eerie, but then just builds up. It's the romantic scene. I just think, I, I just love the music. It puts me in that sort of, curious yet wonder-filled state of mind like I think one should be when they're watching a Hitchcock movie mm-hmm. you know something's gonna a little eerie or scary is gonna happen right. and so you're kind of curious still trying to take everything in and you get wrapped up in the human emotion element of it that when the scary thing does happen you know you're like at the edge of your seat yeah I mean he's one of my favorite composers yeah. for the very <laughs> points you just mentioned and uh and the the examples you mentioned like vertigo and psycho all the hitchcock movies Mm -hmm. he worked on he's an amazing composer and i think a lot of the music that i like in in our uh of today kind of comes from bernard herman Mm -hmm. like it's moodier it's kind of mysterious it's uh kind of foreboding uh, a lot of strings you know absolutely you know like even like people are familiar with psycho for the for the, the cues we mentioned earlier, but the whole score is amazing. If you listen to the it entire really Psycho is. score, it's amazing. And Vertigo, especially with those opening credits again, it's just, oh, wow, yes. you get sucked into it immediately. You totally get it's very into mysterious, it. it's ominous, you don't know what's and, going on. And the on. music also, it's haunting. Yes. In a beautiful way that you want more of it. it uh-huh. It's a really curious feeling, at least for me, I feel, you know, when I watched Vertigo, because Vertigo actually was a flop. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's a cult classic now, but when it came out, it was surprisingly a flop. But um, obviously, it, for many elements, not just within the music, but within the film, it stood the test of time. But just, yeah, the opening credits and, and the music, it's, it's just... I mean, I remember there's a scene in there, one of the first scenes where Jimmy Stewart's character is following... Um, my goodness, I forgot her name. The it was Kim Novak. It was Kim Novak. Yeah. I know her. It was he was following her, and it's it's pretty much about a five minute window of just music, no t- talking, no dialogue, and it's just him following her, and you just fall into that moment where you're a little bit curious, like he is, wanting to know more, but you're sort of suspicious. The music captures all of those moments, and it takes you through that car ride where he's following her, and then the scenes yeah. where it shows her. The music sort of shifts a little bit, so you you get the sense you feel like what she's feeling, and it's just this really great interplay between the two different people and what you would be feeling if you knew someone was following you, and if you were knew you were following someone. Right. Yeah, he, he is amazing with that, and you're right. Like, there's that long sequence in, yeah. in Vertigo that you're talking about, where Jimmy Stewart just keeps following her, mm-hmm. and he's drawn to her, and the music I think is 
the cue that kind of lets us know there's something dark going on with this central character mm-hmm. here. He's not exactly what he seems. There's and her as well. Right. Yes. Like they're both, there's yeah. something weird going on. He also did the score for Taxi Driver, which I thought was great. It's very kind of oh, jazzy, yeah. street-like. Yeah, he, which is a favorite of mine. And it was just interesting because Scorsese's directing this very stark, uh, kind of extreme version, especially in 1976 of New York. But we have this classic Bernard Herrmann score, which again adds a lot of mystery and he intrigue. He must have been quite old at that point. I think it was his last yeah. score. I think it was oh, the very last score he ever composed. There's a beauty and sadness in that. You there know? is. There's beauty and sadness. I know, Scott, you love um, John Williams, right? Well, yeah. Everybody loves John <laughs> Scott, Williams. Don't pull out a deep cut. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> yeah, don't accuse me of that. Um, yes, I, John Williams is spectacular. Um, you know, I think uh, some yeah. of the greatest scores of all time, Jaws, uh, Close mm-hmm. Encounters. Um, yeah, I mean, e. comparing Jaws to um, Vertigo, uh, excuse me, Jaws to uh, Psycho, that shark scene, mm-hmm. that's essentially the counterpart to the Psycho, bum, bum, bum. I mean, they have that same impact. Yeah. You know, they're kind of counterparts in a way. Well, yeah, you couldn't show, they had a lot of yeah. difficult difficulties on Jaws, mm-hmm. so they couldn't show the shark, so they used yeah. the music to exactly. add the suspense and, and create more... Uh, mm-hmm. make it more of a thriller than it would have been if they had used this mechanical shark. It's just like with Psycho, they, they couldn't actually show the knife going in or mm-hmm. anybody getting stabbed, so they just showed the, the motion. Yeah. And that was scary enough. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, John Williams actually composed, I think, my favorite film score of all time that I, when I thought about it was The Empire Strikes Back because mm-hmm. it's just a great score from start to finish and I think it's his masterpiece where he goes through yeah. so many different moods and themes like the Imperial March which everyone knows comes from that movie the original Star Wars did not have that it wasn't mm-hmm. until the second film that that was established and that's played at every football game every yeah. everything you ever see but another favorite of mine is this, the Yoda theme there's a section of the Yoda theme that it just kind of gets lilting for a minute mm-hmm. uh, that I've always loved um and I love the Raiders soundtrack that John Williams. Oh, of course. Yeah, the, I mean that's Indiana great. Jones. And my favorite bit, and that is, which kind of like the the theme for the Ark of the Covenant. It's very mysterious, and it's mm-hmm. you know that one, like oh, yeah. Yes. That's my John Williams impersonation, by the way. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> you don't impersonate John Williams. You impersonate his music. That's how I know. I, I don't impersonate the actual man's voice. I couldn't know how to do that with John Williams, but I know the music. But uh, <laughs> I uh, personally, Tom Petty, you just do hard strings. I only do. I only do the instrumentation <laughs> in the notes. I go by musical notes when I do impersonations of composers. But um, uh, with Raiders of the Lost Ark, yeah, the map room. I think is is the name of that section that people are looking for. It, it's 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 a really great piece of music. It's probably my uh, probably my favorite piece of music that John Williams ever composed. Um, another uh, score that I. Well, anything that Thomas Newman does, just to shout out a couple movies that he's done. I know Shawshank Redemption, um, American Beauty, Revolutionary Road. He's just, what else has... A Road to Perdition is a great score. That's a great one, yeah. I mean, just listen to any of those soundtracks. Every song is, is... Chanting I think he did Finding Nemo as well. I think, did he do Finding Nemo? Okay. He did do Finding Nemo. Yeah. I think he also did Wally, which is a great score too. So he's done a few. He's Pixar done movies. a lot of movies, especially in the '90s. He was really a predominant composer, um, but he does just phenomenal work. 
Um, another uh, soundtrack that I just really love, we were talking about earlier, was Risky Business. It's by a band called Tangerine Dream, who was, I don't even know if they were popular in the 80s or not. I mean, I guess they must have been in some way, because they were picked to do this movie. And if you've ever seen Risky Business, then you know exactly what I mean, that, that kind of sexy synthesizer that plays throughout it. That's Tangerine Dream, and I think that's a great example of how a film can affect your mood. I mean, I know when I watch Risky Business, I'm totally in that you know, state of mind, and I, I'm in that, that mood, you know, and I'm kind of caught up in the story, like, um, and I think it does a great job of doing that, and it also keeps up with the date of the film, you know, the film was supposed to be in the 80s, it came out in the 80s, but yet that synthesizer music is still, in a lot of ways, kind of timeless, I mean, I listen to it now, and I still enjoy it just as much, and still kind of evokes those, like, sexy feelings, and... Yeah, yeah, I, I think you're right. Like that's that's definitely a score. I think that's very emblematic of its time. Like yeah. you know, you you're drawn right back into the 1980s uh-huh. when you you listen to Tangerine yeah. Dream. I, I heard this weird thing where Tangerine Dream actually recorded uh, the score for uh, Legend, which was a movie Tom Cruise made a few years later oh. with Ridley Scott. It's a it's fantasy. It's one of those dark 80s fantasy yeah. movies. But uh, I think Jerry Goldsmith, who's a great composer, composed the version that was released in Europe, and Tangerine Dream did the one in uh, the States. Mm-hmm. So you might find that interesting when you look into it. Yeah, yeah I, they're just, there's just something about that soundtrack that kind of caught me. And mm-hmm. I remembered when I very first saw the film, uh, I feel like I was about maybe 18 or 19. I wasn't like terribly young, but I wasn't um, you know, old either. I was kind of at that impressionable age where you're young and your hormones and... You're in that kind of, you know, teenage mindset. But aside from the film being what it was and me enjoying it, I remember the soundtrack just, I always loved that soundtrack. There was something about it um, that I liked. Uh, another one, too, that I know we can all agree on is Danny Elfman. Yeah, I love Danny Come Elfman. Yeah. yeah. I, I remember uh, Danny Elfman was my, one of the first film composers. I actually started purchasing albums. Mm-hmm buy you know because usually you know i didn't really buy a lot of film scores until i heard batman and i also love beetlejuice like it was during that era that yeah. danny elfman was composing all these great scores and there was a compilation called music for a darkened theater yeah it had all of uh, danny elfman's early uh compositions and it was i listened to that he did the system. original batman he did didn't he? yes yeah. he did he yeah. did the simpsons theme he did okay. the tales of the crypt theme that's right yeah um he did beetlejuice <laughs> peewee's big yeah. Yeah. I used to love that show as a kid. Yeah. It's a crazy show. It is. It's one of those original HBO shows. Yeah. Yeah. It was on, I think, Friday nights. I think it had, like, a vibe, like, Twilight Zone, right? It was just Yeah. Yeah. It actually had a lot of famous people that came and went and did, like, little guest episodes and whatnot. Um, Yeah. Daniel, he's just very quirky, and I think that's one of the part of his appeal. It's very quirky, very distinguishable. Obviously, he's best known for his work with Tim Burton. Yeah. Uh, with scissor hands. Yeah, he yeah. did a soundtrack. Yeah, he did a score for Spider-Man. Uh, the first two, I think, movies. Yeah, he did. I, I think he also. I think I saw his credits recently on Age of Ultron, where he kind of did some supplemental music or something to that effect. Mm-hmm. Or, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> why? Why wouldn't you bring him in as a supplemental person? But uh, I um, an anomaly for Danny Elfman. It's one of my favorite scores by by him. 
is Midnight Run, which most people wouldn't associate with Annie Elfman. And, 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 and the soundtrack is a lot more bluesy and it's a lot more rock based. That reminds me of the Midnight in Paris soundtrack, mm-hmm. which is the Woody Allen movie. Um, yeah. If you like Woody Allen and you like Paris and you like 1920s and literature, Hemingway, Fitzgerald, then this movie is right up your alley. I personally, those are all the things that I love, so I really enjoyed the film. And I always liked Woody Allen. Oh, I, you know, I, I'm a fan of Woody yeah. Allen. I think Woody Allen actually composes most of the music for his films, it too. It's beautiful. It's mistaken. a very jazzy, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of um, jazz guitar, and it's very Parisian-inspired. Really relaxing. In fact, I listen to it a lot at the office when I'm working, because most, most of it's not no lyrics. It's just music, and it's kind of easygoing. Oh, it's great. I mean, yeah. I, I think uh, Woody Allen, I think he did... If I'm not mistaken, I think he's composed his own music, and I'll have to check into that. But I think for Annie Hall, it's kind of a similar score. Like yeah. he, he has a very jazzy kind of ragtime mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. section. Yeah, it definitely gets you in that mood. I mean, every time I listen to that soundtrack or even watch that movie, I want to go to Paris even more than I already do. Yeah, you know, it's kind of. Well, yeah, it's a great location uh, for you know a movie based Absolutely. in Paris. Yeah, because mm-hmm. um, Paris just has that. You just say the word Paris, and you instantly think romantic, yeah. exotic, artistic. You know, the guy that's in vogue now. I think the the you know we mentioned Thomas Newman, but the mm-hmm. guy that's been getting a lot of work is Hans, Hans Zimmer. Yeah, yeah. Um, he probably brought in the movement of using synthesizers, and you know, it kind of moved away from the John Williams big orchestra yeah. to more of a synthesizer kind of. More of a modern, contemporary. Um, I mean, because people were just, you know, people in the 80s, I think, just started copying John Williams, and it was all just imitation John Williams stuff, you know? Right. Not Uh, Tangerine Dream. No, I mean, that was like (laughs) synthesizers. They were very synthesizers. Yeah, um, and I think the score that did it was uh, Crimson Tide, I believe, for Hans Zimmer. That was a huge score. Uh, Inception. Inception was later on. Yeah. Well, I think the Batman trilogy, especially. That's well, true. and Gladiator, I think, yeah. were the films. Gladiator really, put them yeah, on. Yeah. That really put them on the map. Gladiator yeah. was a great soundtrack. Um, I think. I mean, a lot of people yeah. might think it's overrated, but um, it's very. Um, it's rousing. It was you know? definitely, rousing, yeah. it was yeah. definitely yeah. fitting for the fitting film, for, the for film. sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the Man of Steel soundtrack. I think that's his best work. His worst superhero. I, I like just love that song, Time. Inception. Inception. That just really yeah. is, is. That's a good song. I agree with you on the Man of Steel uh, score. I, I'm a big fan of that as well. Like, uh, I don't know, there's something evocative, and it reminds me. We were talking about like the '80s. It reminds me of something that might have been composed for Blade Runner in sections. You know, like something that Ridley Scott would have. Well, you're used. going to Vangelis territory. <laughs> I know. I'm going all the way. You want to go to Tangerine Dream or going to Extreme Vangelis? <laughs> Vangelis, who scored 1492, The Conquest of Paradise, which. A lot of people will say it's a great score, terrible movie. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. That's it was Brando in that. I think that was a Marlon Brando performance. I he might have been. I I think it was a friend. I don't know. I'm not. I know there was two out. conflicting Columbus movies that were made around that time, and that was one of them. Well, Conquest of Paradise has a very huge score to it. Yeah, you know, and he also composed the the famous Chariots of Fire. Oh my goodness. Uh, Talking about all this, you know, yeah. macho stuff, and then you think of Rocky. Mm. That's a very iconic movie score. Oh, God, I, I love the Rocky score, yeah. uh, especially for the first film. 
That was Bill Conti, I think is the name of the composer. He's, he's worked a lot, but I mean, clearly the most distinct uh, score he ever wrote, I think, is for Rocky. You know, it really, you talk about Philadelphia, yeah, it captures that street-level East Coast, Absolutely, you know. where I was born. Yeah, I know, you would know better than anybody. Like, that really does capture, like, a certain mood for that city. Well, even the song Eye of the Tiger became a huge hit because of, was that Rocky III? That was Rocky III, yeah. Because yeah. he had to get the yeah. Eye of the Tiger, the... the uh -huh. Yes, he did. He yeah. did have to get the eye of the tiger. And I tell you, the montage in Rocky Three, as cheesy as it is, it works for me every time. When Let I see... me just tell you, I love movie montages. We should do a whole episode about movie montages. Yeah, you could. I'm sure the listeners. We would should do a montage like of our montage, <laughs> yes. movie montages. I wish that they would bring yeah. movie montages back because they're just phenomenal. I haven't seen a movie I, they montage. Don't, they in a don't long do time. them anymore. Yeah. I feel like they stopped like in the late '90s. You haven't really seen any. Well, I think after uh, um, they were uh, kind of poked fun at uh, with the uh, Team America and that sort of Team thing. America yeah. did it because uh, they have a montage on. And then even before that, if you look at the uh, the uh, Police Squad. Uh, Naked Gun movie with oh, that that's montage. That's like the best montage. With, uh, I, there's a few of them. I love L.A. Uh, with the baseball game, and then there's the uh, somebody something tells me. I always love the movie montages, though. Yeah, yeah. There's just something that it just gets you into the film. You know, it, you kind of in that three minutes of music, you feel whatever the characters are feeling, and you connect with them, and then you always associate that music and song with them. And I think there's something beautiful about that. Mm -hmm. And if you want a movie montage, there's no better uh, franchise than Rocky. There's a several montages <laughs> in that franchise yeah. you can watch. Well, you don't want to watch <laughs> Rocky working out in real time. That would, <laughs> no, you don't. That would be, uh, that would be a very boring exactly. and dull movie. Yeah. And like in Dirty Dancing with the montage with Hungry Eyes. Yeah. Great song. You don't want to see Patrick Swayze teach Jennifer Grey how to dance in tedious. a year. Exactly. You want to see it in a nice, sassy, three-minute song. Yeah, it's it's it, it, montages are, are phenomenal. You were talking about the Naked Gun earlier when getting yeah. back to soundtracks. I Love L.A., I think that's another example of, you know, it's a song that was already had an identity outside of that film, but when you see that baseball sequence where he's playing the Empire, faking as the Empire, that song just sticks out for me. When well, I what makes that work is it's, it, the movie's riffing on all these other movies. You know, it's, it's a parody. You yes. Know, yeah. Yeah. So it takes a popular song and just you know, just on the nails on the head. Exactly. Yeah. Well, what's the Naked Gun theme? That's pretty. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like that's a that was a good theme. I, I like I that. Mean, that. It's I, the theme to Police Squad, which was a that, television okay. series that was based that that the you know was that spawned the Naked Gun yeah. films. Because you hear that and you instantly think of Naked Gun. Yeah, yeah, it's a great theme. Adam's you know? family. Too. I mean, that, that's we're getting into TV shows now, so I won't go there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we caught it. We, if anybody mentions a television series <laughs> on this podcast. Twin Peaks! That's a great soundtrack. Uh, mm -hmm. Just saying. Yeah, it is. Absolutely. And, and David Lynch is another guy that knows how to utilize music really well. If you watch the movie like Blue Velvet, you know, there's a scene, I believe, well, not only the song Blue Velvet, because he has all these 50 standards to offset all the weirdness that's going on, mm -hmm. but there is a famous scene in, in Blue Velvet where uh, Dean Stockwell... And have, I know you guys... If you haven't seen the movie, it's kind of hard to explain, but there is there is a, a great use of a Roy Orbison song, um, Dreams, in that movie that you'll never forget after seeing Blue Velvet. So. Mm -hmm. And that's like, uh, speaking of Roy Orbison, the classic Pretty Woman movie and the scene where she's shopping and they're playing Pretty It's a montage. They're playing Pretty Woman. Mm -hmm. I mean, you always instantly think mm -hmm. of Julia Roberts now in that 
gorgeous brown and white polka dot dress. Mm-hmm. Big hat. Yes, that's <laughs> probably <laughs> out of my territory there. Yeah. Well, Rom-coms, you know. You know it's kind of funny we've been talking about music. We have not, haven't even mentioned musicals, which no. that's all they're based around is the uh, yeah, music absolutely. and the movies. Wizard yeah. of Oz is Wizard of Oz is the, you know. Well, a guy I really think is great with music in his own way, because I think he writes most of the music for his films, would be Mel Brooks, obviously, and the producers. Oh, you know, that's one of my favorites, Springtime for Hitler. I, it's just a great example of, of his use of music, because he loves music, and I, so many of his movies are based around songs, so... Oh, at, you know, the famous scene in Young Frankenstein where he's dancing. Um, putting on a Ritz. Yeah. 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 I'm using an old standard. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it, music, I think, is very important. I I think I asked Sean earlier today, or Antoni, it's like, what's a movie that you hated, but you liked the score? What did we say? You guys couldn't come up with a movie. Yeah. You thought it's, it's so synonymous, a good score I, and a good movie. I have one, actually. I do have one. And it, it's not an, an exact perfect answer to your question, but it, it gets there. Uh, I mentioned Jerry Goldsmith earlier, who I think is a great composer himself. He, he mm-hmm. started in like the 60s. He did the, the score for Patton, yeah. Gremlins, a variety of different movies. Rudy. Yeah. He did or Rudy, yeah. Great composer. He composed the music to Twilight Zone, the movie, which was an anthology film based off of the TV series. And it had all these different filmmakers coming in and doing segments off a classic episode of the show. And there are some episodes that do not work at all, but I do think Gary Goldsmith composed a great score for that whole film. And it really stands out, I think, in uh, the final sequence, which I think is based off a nightmare at 10,000. Yeah. Something like that. Uh, with with uh, um, John Lithgow, and he has a great score, especially for that piece. It was directed by George Miller. Go check it out if you can on YouTube or something. Um, when you said Nightmare, it made me think of the Nightmare on Elm Street. How about mm-hmm. that soundtrack? Yeah, well, the that, Halloween that, soundtrack. That, is... that um, classic, mm-hmm. you know, that Freddy song? Mm-hmm. I mean, oh my goodness. I hear that and I'm looking, where's Freddy? Let's talk about soundtracks like the Leprechaun. You... <laughs> oh right, exactly. Did that even have a soundtrack? Yes, like I rap bet songs? it does. And rap songs. The, the the soundtrack to Troll is one of my favorites. <laughs> uh, no, but uh, really, the Freddy Krueger soundtrack is is pretty incredible. Yeah. The score. Well, I, is that uh, did uh, Russ Craven? Nightmare on Elm Street. Wes Craven directed it. I don't know who did the soundtrack. I think he scored a did lot he? of those movies. Yeah. I know he came up with that piano part, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. iconic piano part. Um, but yeah, I mean that—that's a really great soundtrack. That definitely talk about evoking emotion. Yeah. I mean, I'm instantly scared. It's just eerie and yeah. Crazy, yeah, yeah. yeah That—that's definitely. Halloween to the Jason theme, mm-hmm. Michael Myers theme. It's the Jason that. <laughs> I mean, if you want to call that music, but. No, it's a cue that yeah. you know that the, the con conjures up certain images Absolutely. in your head. Well, I think that was a great uh, encapsulation of different scores, I think. I think we covered a lot of territory yeah, I think there. we listed a lot of scores. Yeah, we, we did. did. You know, <laughs> At the very least, we listed things. But we now did. we're leaving on like, a scary note. <laughs> yeah, but that's exactly there. how I want it to end. I want yeah. people to, I want this to resonate with yeah. you and feel the power of cinema, mm-hmm. even if it's horrifying. Just go watch your favorite movie montage and feel better. Exactly. Absolutely. That's my, that's my uh, recommendation, too. Well, uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, we'll, I'm sure we'll be back with you soon enough. Uh, thanks yeah. to Tony and Scott. And uh, Thank you. Yeah, we'll yeah. see you next time. Keep it real.
What I really feel is if you want to see Psycho, it's obvious. Rent the original.